Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. The definition of activism is the policy or action of using vigorous campaigning to bring about political or social change. Incumbents often push to make activism a bad word, and those who have been elected have time and time again placed the protection of their seat over the will of the people who elected them, making change a slow process. My guest today on the Spent the Rent podcast has garnered a reputation of positive activism in our community, working for the better interest of the people, not the politician. His tireless work brought him to the table as a viable candidate for the East Lane County Commissioner position, but facing a former mayor proved to be too daunting of a mountain to climb. Joining us today from Our Revolution Lane County, James Barber. Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Self-Esteem Boat Willie. Our guest today is James Barber. James, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, James, I wanted to have you on to talk about your run for East Lane County Commissioner and a few other things. I really appreciate you taking this opportunity. When I reached out to you, I thought you would say no. <laughs> so, it's, it's really big of you to come on here because I am just... An average citizen, but this may get 12, 15 listens. So that's cool. Yeah. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Uh, if you listen to the city club debate, you'll, you heard me say, I think we're all average. Well, and the thing that I really am excited about is when we were talking about doing this, you had said, you know, that potentially we could talk to some places to get this heard. We won't rent, mention them now because those news, that news will come later, but like also some names that you would drop to me that you could introduce me to. And I look forward to this, you know, friendship blossoming. So that's, it's really cool to meet you. And so let's get right into it. I wanted to talk about your run for office. Uh, the first time you've ran for a political office, what what got you into politics? Yeah, uh, it was the first time. Um, what got me into politics, I guess I, I started to get drawn in uh, as soon as I got on Facebook. Right, right. Which was like right. eight years ago or so. Um, started using it. I, I started using it for my business at the time. And um, just you, you, it's hard to avoid. Hard right, to avoid right, politics right. on Facebook. Everybody loves to uh, talk about it. I'm not one to shy away from opinions or discussion. Right. Um, so I jumped in and it kind of got me involved. I started paying attention to Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. originally. She really got my attention and uh, I was ready for Warren in uh, 2016. Right. And then uh, finally believed that she wouldn't wouldn't run. I think it's because she, she didn't it. want to, it's like Hillary's time, you know, whether right. the Democratic Party wanted that or not. Yeah, nobody nobody was uh, willing to put themselves in between, right. and, except for Bernie. I still and, think uh, that Hillary not picking, an, like, uh, God, I can't even remember the dude's name off the top of my Tim head. Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine. I still think that if she would have picked Elizabeth Warren or if she would have picked Bernie, obviously, 
it would have been such a power ticket. Even Cory Booker, you know, I mean, there's so many options of young people. Any anybody to reach out to the progressive side, right? Because she had not sold that. I and mean, so she, she was she was trying to, but there were so many correlations to the twenty thousand or the two thousand election, right? So you had Al Gore. Uh, coming off of a Democratic president, popular eight-year president, but he wasn't very exciting. Right. Uh, he nominated a centrist, arguably a right-wing candidate right. for his vice presidency. Um, couldn't even win his home state. I mean... He did win the election. The same <laughs> but, exact but, thing happened, right, but, in right, 2016. Right, that was what right. I was saying. In 2016, I was saying, look at these compare these right. two it looks like the exact same thing is happening yeah. so I, I i had a feeling if if hillary was going to win the primary trump would absolutely win yeah um, i i didn't know it was going to happen until the day and then i kind of started you know because we live in our, our little bubble yep. on the west but you know so you mentioned progressivism and progressive candidates would you if you had to label yourself would you just label yourself a progressive or are you even farther over like democratic socialism I mean that's such a bad word to some people. I don't I don't view that as bad. I'm a, I, don't I just either. consider myself a progressive. Right. Um I was actually an independent my whole life. Right. Didn't associate with any parties until uh I joined the Democrats right. to campaign for Bernie it's in order to vote for him in the primary. And since then <clears throat> um I'm still working within the party because right. I was kind of disgusted at what happened that time and I thought I want to be in there to make sure that it gets better. Because we don't really have another party that is viable. Right. And so we've got to try and, and rebuild the partnerships that used to be the Democratic Party. Uh, if we want to have any shot of not having somebody like Trump in for another four right. years. Well, it's interesting how we've gotten such to an extreme. Because you could argue that progressives are extreme left compared to the norm. I mean... And it's interesting to me how now we've gotten to this point where those are the only viable candidates. It seems like you cannot be an independent and be considered reasonable. It used to be that people kind of strive. I mean, I would consider Bernie Sanders an independent, but he does. Ha he's learning. You do have to fall in line with, in some ways with the party. And we learned, you know, with with the primary in 2016, that the party is going to they'll if you don't fall in line, they will make it make it happen. But we did get news the other day. Was it yesterday that the super delegates, yeah. that that whole system is now going to be changed. Yeah. So you, we had talked about that, that what is exactly happening with that? So before I get into that, I want to, I want to describe to you a little bit about where I see the democratic party has gone sure. wrong over the years. And basically over the last 30 years, they forgot what coalitions are. Right. They think they do. I mean, they think they know what they are. They, they call themselves a big tent party, but they don't act like a big tent party. Right. They act like only certain types of candidates can win, and those are the ones we want to help try every single time. And they forget about the rest of the coalition. So they're a coalition of labor, green, environmentalists, uh, you know, LGBT, um, every everybody that views themselves as anywhere left of center. They need to be a coalition for those groups. And they've basically pushed everybody else down and ignored them. And like we talked about Hillary nominating Tim Kaine, that was ignoring the rest right, of those. Right. So the way that the Demo the way that I view the the Democratic Party as the way they should be working is they need to rebuild those coalitions. They need to 
let primaries do what they're supposed to do. Don't be afraid of the primaries. Let whoever the the, the, the other members choose. of their coalitions put forth as a candidate, let them have their shot. If they win, that's what the electorate wants that time. If right. they don't, so be it. But you can come together at that point. Now, if the party's tilting the field and trying to keep either an incumbent or just their preferred candidate out ahead at the expense of their coalition members, they're going to lose those coalition right. members. And they're not going to be there when they need them to vote, which is what happens. So when you look at like the parliamentary system of the uh, in Europe, like the UK, they have the elections and then they build their coalitions. Right. So they know, because the votes have already happened, who they have to get together with in order to have a majority rule right right here we don't get that well, we seems, have to build the coalitions before the election it seems like candidates in primaries that are kind of either ex- even extreme right extreme left or extreme right they don't shy away from the policies and the american voter wants to hear about policies right they don't want to hear about i'm a woman or i'm of ethnicity because that does score some points with some people and it does because we do need to have more diversity that's that's not the question but that's not going to just, that's not enough. Right. You know, you have to be about something as well. So back to the, the super delegates that and Bernie Sanders. So, right. so what I view Bernie Sanders as is he is, he has identified as an independent for right. his whole career. Now he's also caucused with the democratic party. He holds a leadership position within the democratic party in Congress. Like they give him leadership position of a committee. And so he's actually listed as a Democrat on that committee so that he can run it. Right. That's a coalition. They built a coalition because they saw that he is valuable asset to them. They want him to vote with them. So they have that coalition. Now, when we're looking at electing candidates and when we, when we look at 2020 and when we look at 2016, that's why Bernie ran as a Democrat because that's the coalition that's needed to win. So you've got Democrats who just view party over everybody else. Right. And they think, why doesn't he go off and do his own thing? Well, that's not a winning coalition. Yeah. He needs to be in a winning coalition. The Democrats also need a winning coalition. And when they crapped on the progressives and this big upswell movement that Bernie created, they they, they essentially, lost yeah, they, they I mean, they me. shot that coalition. Yeah. They, they blew it apart. And uh, that's something that they need to realize. Now, not everybody, but they didn't lose everybody that was behind Bernie, but they lost enough. Right. Right. Um, that coupled with all the other, there was probably a hundred flaws with Hillary's campaign. Right. You know, it was just a bit too much to overcome because of, uh, you know, the and I wonder, Republican manipulation, you know, and I wonder about right. suppressing, <laughs> uh, or another word that starts with R, but, uh, no, uh, I wonder if Bernie Sanders had, cause he didn't, I don't think he expected to win from the gate. You right. Know, oh, but, absolutely. And then the momentum that he got, there were some states, you know, in the general, Hillary ignored Wisconsin. Bernie ignored a few southern states that he had the potential to actually pull out. You know, he could have won. Well, you know. so the challenge with Bernie's campaign was he came in with almost no name recognition. Right. And you have such a tight timeline to garner that name recognition. And so his campaign actually spent a ton of time and resources in the first southern state. That was going to come up, which was South Carolina. Right. And they weren't making any inroads. You can't. Part of that is you just can't break into some of those communities in a few months. Right. You know, it takes years and decades. Hillary had that. And so they made those efforts. They realized, you know what? 
we just don't have the time right now. We need to focus on other areas. And at that time, his funding wasn't. I mean, he had no idea. Oh, absolutely. He didn't have the money coming in. I I mean, I looked at your, not to get off topic, but I looked at your whole platform when you had ran and it was basically a blueprint. Like it looked like almost like you were like, oh my God, I don't know if you took it from him necessarily, (laughs) but it was a blueprint, you know, Medicaid for all $15 minimum wage, money out of politics, which is the most important. I think that's what makes progressives attractive is the money out of politics. So so small donations, getting rid of super PACs. I mean, it also makes it the hardest to win. I'm Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So we need to realize that uh, candidates that are running on that platform, they absolutely need our help. Right. So for me, my biggest challenge was lack of money, lack of resources right. for that campaign. I started out, I put in 10000 of my own money, hoping that I would get that paid back and get enough donations on top of that in order to right. get some mailers out, do some whatever I needed to do, right? We needed, you got to be able to do some advertising, especially in the district that I was in, which is so rural. Right. Um, and and it just didn't, it just didn't materialize. Well, I ended up with about 9000 in small dollar donations, but you know, it's, it's just not enough. You also kind of had to, I mean, we have to address this. You also had an obstacle during the the campaign where some tweets, some unsavory tweets from your past. Was it from 2010? Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, 2010 to 2012, I think. We're not going to get deep into the context. If someone wants to Google it, James, Bar- do you, you, know, you can find it. But, you know, I find that that was a, before I even had you on or we had confirmed that we were going to do this. I had no idea of that. I mean, I knew about your policies through Facebook, like you said, but of course I did some research and it's the first thing that came up. I think the Emerald did a story and anytime you get on the wrong side of a college, that's, that could be dangerous. But, you know, I watched the debate and how you handled it. And I thought it was pretty impressive how you, it, it almost, I look at people having to face a misstep or say doing something in their past and it coming back. I look at how they handle it almost as an opportunity to see their character more, you know, and it depends on what it is. Of course. I mean, it, they're not even, sure. well, you know, it, who are, who am I to judge? Obviously it hurt you, you know? And, but I mean, I don't even know what to ask about it because so it, it was a distraction. That was, that was the biggest way that it hurt me. And since um, you were such a small name up and coming, I feel like that's what defined you. Is that fair to say? Like, in, no, I don't, the actually, I don't think so. No, um, I don't think it actually had that big of an impact because yeah. where the biggest complaint was coming from, which was the college Democrats, which is not even your, it wasn't even in my district. Exactly. And, and really, if you look at what the tweets were, they were jokes. I thought it was, they funny. were jokes yeah. that were shared when I was younger and, you know, they were, they were a bit sexist. Mm-hmm. You know, in their content, you know, they, if, if one wants to break it down, they probably perpetuate, um, some stereotypes towards women. Right. And, you know, it's not something that I would share now, but you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up going to an Ivy league college right. or, or taking classes on women's studies. You know, I grew up in a small rural town and working class neighborhoods. And that was just the environment that I grew up in. Jokes are jokes. So we don't, I grew up not viewing jokes as anything more than that. I didn't realize, you know, sometimes jokes hurt people, you know, or sometimes they can help perpetuate an attitude that could hurt somebody. And so now it's not something that I would share. Right. Well, and it's interesting who, I mean, obviously 
as a politician, you're not a comedian, but it's interesting who gets to use that type of language because some people it's total pass, right. you know? And so the one thing that I hope the morality of it all, when people try to stand on a moral high ground, we need to find ways that we can all agree again, but that a lot of the, I'm not going to name names. I don't need to, but the, the moral high ground that people have tried to take in the past, that's gone. We'll just, we'll just say that like that is gone, you know? And I, I did watch, I really recommend anybody to look up. I can post the link to the debate in the comments, the debate where you addressed it because the, the reaction was almost louder than any reaction, like positive reaction to any content in the rest of the debate. Because like I said, people like a redemption, you know, and that was pretty cool to see. So at the time that I did that, I I don't think anybody in that room even knew about it. Right. So when you, when you saw me bring that up, it was because I had heard about it over the weekend that these were coming up. These were, these were tweet. I, I probably posted a hundred thousand wow. tweets yeah. in uh, 10 years. Of your dog. And <laughs> no. that those had to get dug up from a long right. time ago. I didn't go back through my history on social media before I ran for office. So I had no idea that those were even on there. And, uh, it, it, it surprised me. Right. One to see that. And, uh, you know, I'm not one to hide anyway. Sure, so sure. I, it, when I look at it, I think, wow, you know what? That kind of shows how I've grown, where I've come from and where I'm at now. And, and I think that there's a, there's a large group of local Democrats for sure that I think grew up not ever knowing an environment where that was acceptable. Right. And so they have a hard time seeing somebody who grew up in that as somebody like them or somebody that they would like to see represent them. Right. And even, even if there's been time since then and they've had a chance to learn and grow. And, you know, for me, there's been so much growth once I got into the democratic party Sure, because the democratic party has a lot of coalition members who fight for a lot of justice issues, which I now fight for. Right. And so the it, people that you were bumping elbows with has changed to oh, the absolutely. people that you've been able to meet. And I'm sure a lot of women, absolutely. You know, for one, so that everybody that I met in the Bernie campaign, right? Like strong, fierce, independent women, right? Who would, if, if they had seen those, they would have told me something and I would have gotten rid of them or I, or, right. or even now I would know, Oh, I can't post that well, yeah, because because, you would because I respect I respect these people too much. Right. You know, I might find it funny just because that's how I was raised. That's how, you know, I grew up and, sure. and it's kind of hard to fight that nature. Right. But I wouldn't share it. And I would and I would cognizantly recognize that people that I know and care about, it would bother them. Right. And well, so I, thought, I, would I think take you that handled it account. well. I mean, I think that. And, you know, I'm just one person. And at the time I wasn't in your district, so I wasn't even right. able to, I, I am now, but I think. Well, well one of the, you're not running, but. No, I'm not running now. But one of the biggest things with this is I think people need to realize that people can grow. Right. And they need to allow that opportunity. So one of the attitudes towards me at that time was because I did this five to eight years ago. Right. You know, I was unqualified. I needed to step down. That was the cry. Right. And to me, it felt like an attack that was politically motivated. Sure. Because the people behind this also supported one of my opponents. Right. And 
it felt really disingenuous, even though I also recognize that there are people that legitimately had a beef with it. So the way that it was brought out and everything kind of stunk. But at the same time, I also re- recognized that some people could legitimately have a beef with it. And so that was why I came out. Right. I addressed it. Um, I didn't say the words, I'm sorry, right away, which was another big thing for those people right. that wanted to keep extending it. Um, I think they actually just want people like that make mistakes like that to go away. Like that's the, that's the thing that, that unfortunately when people. Yeah, sort of. And, know, and so one of the things that I said to these folks was like, look, I've been in the Democratic Party now for a couple of years. I've been active fighting for all these issues trying to fight for justice. I'm learning all this stuff. I'm right. meeting people who are opening my eyes to this stuff. That's kind of what we want. We want to believe in the idea of social change. That's why we go out and protest. That's why we we make our issues known. It's why we pass new laws. It's because we want people to change. So we have to believe that that's possible. Right. And if you come out and you say, sorry, that's unredeemable, because you posted a few jokes five to eight years ago, and now it. you're not qualified for office. It makes somebody not want to be a part of that party, right. well, or not want I to mean, be a part of your coalition. Um, I would hate if I. I would hate to see what people would pull up on me, you know. Because <laughs> I mean, I I talk about it on the podcast. I was a heavy drinker. I was a partier, and in the last three to you know three years, you said five in the thing. In the last three years for me, even more recent, I've really come into my own. I bought a home, you know, I've, nice. you know, just where I'm a parent and it just, just things have totally changed and evolved. And I, I wouldn't say I regret it. Cause like you said, you come from a certain place, Yeah, you know, and it's who I am, but man, I would hate to think what would be pulled up in a campaign. Cause when I was a kid at like nine years old, when people were like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm like president. <laughs> like straight up, you know, watching right. Family Ties with Michael J. Fox. So I was a Republican, but sure, sure. I, <laughs> before I was I, before I knew I, better. I was <clears throat> identified more conservative growing up. Too. Sure, and that's you an, know, an, even and that's an interesting. Our family wasn't political, but such an interesting thing to how much the progressive candidates can change things. You know, I watch a lot of Young Turks, and he says Jank says that he was a Republican yeah. when he first came, or he was raised here. But like when you know, it's if you don't watch the Young Turks, I highly recommend it because I know you probably do. I do some sometimes. Not you, but just the listener that like you know they're obviously biased, but that's the media that we see today, and I watch them pretty much a lot on YouTube and it's, it's good. I mean, it's just, you have to do cross referencing. Yeah. Anything. I think the best way to stay on top of what's going on politically these days is you have to find out what's being said on right leaning media yeah, and left leaning totally. media and who claims to be right. in the middle, you right. know, cause I don't, what comes out is not, no, uh, everybody comes from a source of bias and you've got to figure out which one I, which one I guess appeals to you and where's the truth in there? Right. Because, but never did I think what I we would... noticed during the Bernie campaign right. was even the so-called center media, the ones who are the least biased were absolutely biased towards corporate. Well, and it was, positions. I think with Bernie, it wasn't even how they reported it, but they talked about him not being a viable candidate, but it was the omission because they didn't show. I mean, I went to two rallies, the one in Springfield, the one in Portland and the crowd was insane. Yeah. You know, they were was all about the, it. Was it the Portland one with the, the bird? bird? Yeah, that flew the bird flew over my head and landed on the podium. That was awesome. You know, we high fived. But, nice. <laughs> but no, but <laughs> I was at that one with my daughter. We had a great it time. It was really amazing. I mean, I have to say, I saw Obama and I was I've never been more excited for a candidate. And obviously that came before Bernie, but I saw Obama at MacArthur Court in Eugene. 
and I left that feeling optimistic like I had never felt. I grew up listening to punk rock music and thinking politicians were bad news. Now, Obama did some questionable things once he won, but I left that like I, I just... It was, I was on board, you know, and with Bernie, I felt a little different. I support him almost more policy wise than I did Obama, but I also knew, man, I don't know if this can happen twice where the candidate I support comes from behind and then catches up. And I just, for some reason, I just knew that it was, it wasn't going to go that route. We're not done obviously. And I think that there's some silver linings that I don't know how, but with Trump winning that I think more people are paying attention than ever for one. And Apathy is what has crushed, especially young voters in the past. And so the young voters, the ones that, you know, write those stories, they're paying attention. Those stories about your tweets, they're paying attention. So that's good because that gives them a voice in a sense, you know, because I'm getting off the point. So there were some similarities that I noticed between Obama's run in 2016. And what you see is you see two years or two terms of a Republican president. Right. And when Obama was coming in, it was him against Hillary. So he portrayed himself as the progressive candidate. Right. And that was who he got excited. It was this. It yeah. was a lot of the same people, not the same people that excited Bernie because it was a different sure. generation. But it was a lot of the same. It was the young people. Well, small. Right? It was all the yeah. young people. Now, when Bernie came up, it wasn't it was the new set of young people. But. Barack. Obama got all of these people excited. And then when he won, all the most of the people behind Hillary got behind him and it was enough to dominate and right. win, the, win that election and to win it for two terms. Now in 2016, it was the flip side. It wasn't the exciting new candidate who had all the uh, young people behind him who won. Right. It was the other one. And I think that you might have seen the same result in 2008 had Obama not been the one who won. Right. Yeah, and, and and that doesn't necessarily have to do with it being Hillary or her being a woman, although I do recognize that there are some challenges there because of that. Right. I think it's more that she just was not an exciting I candidate. I don't know if it, I mean, I don't think it's because she, what, what hurt her in the general election, I don't think has anything to do with her being female. But it's crazy that, I think a lot of it is after eight years of Republican hammering on Obama, just, just coming after him, talking about how, you know, trying to paint him as being a terrorist, essentially. I think for me, one of the things that turned me off to a candidate like her was that I knew that it was going to be another four or eight years of just, my dad is a very conservative guy and he's been, he's listens to Rush Limbaugh and, uh, but like he, he's hated Hillary Clinton, hated Hillary Clinton since the nineties, you know? And I've known, I've had to, I've had to grow up hearing about it. So for me, it's almost as simple as like, God, I just, I don't want to hear that name anymore. Well, there was know? a, there was a legitimate 20 to 30 year campaign against Hillary Clinton because they knew that she had ambitions. Almost makes me so, think she was the right candidate. <laughs> you know, it's like when people, well, they knew that. I mean, they, they had a plan because she's powerful and it, and it worked Their 20 year, 20 years worth of attacks on her. Right. It made a difference. And, and going back just a little bit to the misogyny that we mentioned. Um, you and I are both white men. Right. And so they can't see that. You just broke the news. <laughs> so I, I just want to I just want you to realize that, you know, you don't see absolutely the the misogynistic aspect that a woman might. Absolutely. And, and so we have to realize that. So I don't want to dismiss that as playing a part in why she lost in twenty sixteen because 
you, we have to listen to them. That's very fair. You for know? sure. Now I don't attribute it to being the biggest reason that she lost, right. not by any means, but there's definitely some core group of voters who just have a problem with, well, and you know, I know female, like you leadership. said, the 20 year assault on her character, right? A lot of it started from that. It's like, why does this wife, I mean, she had, she was an attorney. She, she, and she did so many things. I mean, she worked her way up through the Senate, you know, so she earned it, you know, she earned her spot, but I, I didn't even want to talk about Hillary at all, but yeah, that's, a, <laughs> no, but, that's okay. I, I don't mind. Like it, I say, any topic is, Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so November obviously is, is huge. And I mean, that's coming on us quick now. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the Democrats chances are to kind of swing things the other way? I haven't paid much attention nationally to that. Right. Um, I'm more focused locally. Which is so cool. my race in particular, which has uh, Heather Buck won that on the left side. Right. And Gary Williams won it on the right. So um, it is a partisan seat. No. It's a nonpartisan it's seat. It's a nonpartisan seat, but you have the, to realize how party politics. Well, yeah, obviously. And I think full disclosure is important. But the two top candidates then go on to the general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Regardless of party. So it right. could have been two people on the left. And that's all the way across the board. I mean, a lot of people don't know these things. So, right. okay. So here's how the Lane County elections work. They're nonpartisan. They're like the jungle primary in California. The top two, regardless of party move on to November unless, and this is where it differs from California, unless somebody gets over 50%. If somebody gets over 50% in the primary, they win. They're the only name on the ballot in November. Wow. So that didn't happen in this case. Um, Heather Buck, who is who I'm supporting and endorsing, and I think everybody that's in East Lane County needs to look into that, look into her. She ran a great campaign. Um, she's looking to do a lot for um, affordable housing. That's her background, and we really need that here. So yeah. so I'm excited. I'm going to get out and knock doors for her. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think people need to take a look at her. I know you were asking me a little bit about East Lane County District It's, uh, it's before all, we got on right. air. And uh, it's it's huge. It's so gerrymandered, right? I mean, everything is gerrymandered. Not, not as much as so, maybe on sort the national. Of. I mean, it's not a it's not a, one of those weird gerrymanders where it like like across the street from someone kind of thing. Well, it, there are across the street, but that's going to happen no matter sure, where you draw sure. the lines. Um, but it's all contiguous, and it's all one fairly normal shape. So right. it doesn't right. it doesn't have right. long legs that stick out and or kind of insane. go around. Yeah. So uh, the district is. Coburg over to Marcola, so east to Marcola. Coburg right. starts north of uh, Eugene. Right. So over to Marcola, uh, keep going east around Springfield to Walterville, all the way out to Blue River and McKenzie Bridge. Then you go down Pleasant Hill. Then you go down to right. Pleasant Hill and uh, Jasper, Dexter, Lowell, out to Oak Ridge. Wow, that's and a, then it yeah. keeps going around south over to Goshen, all the way down to Cottage Grove in London. Wow, and then you've got it keeps going to the west now, all the way over to the Churchill neighborhood of Eugene. Wow! So anyone that it knows makes a big, huge backward C. Anyone that knows Lane County Eugene. knows that that's a wide range of thoughts and wide range of voters. You Absolutely. Know? So that's a tough race for yeah, sure. Yeah. So whoever's going to win it has to be able to not just appeal to all viewpoints, but you got to be able to listen to everybody. and a car with you good know, gas you gotta give them a chance <laughs> you know yeah. seriously that spreads some some range it is a, it is a long way that's interesting <laughs> well uh so what's next for you i mean this is obviously not the last run no know? so for me uh in the short term i'm gonna be trying to help heather get elected 
Right. Uh, we've got star voting coming up on the ballot. Do you, right. Are you familiar I, with star voting? I had a customer of mine that has been doing like hitting the pavement with the the petitions for star Good. voting. So, so star voting, star voting is a different type of voting system than what we currently have, which is first past the poll. First past the poll, you get to elect, you get a vote for one person, and whoever gets a majority wins. Right? You have to get over fifty percent. And so what that ends up doing is it leads to uh, third parties not being viable, right? right? You got you to gotta think about your vote and think who has the most money, who has the best chance to win, that's who I need to put forward. Right. Star voting kind of turns that on its head. Now it's only going to, what's going to be on the ballot in November is for Lane County residents only, and it's going to, for the Lane County elections, the nonpartisan elections, you will be able to express a preference with your like vote. Top, like so rank them essentially. Sort of. It's not ranking, but it's a, it's a rating. Okay. So rather than ranking, it's rating. Right. So this is different than rank choice like voting. Swipe, swipe right. Yeah. This is yeah. <laughs> this is different than rank choice voting. Rank choice voting. You have to um, rank your candidates one, two, three, four, five, six, right. whatever. In this one, you're just going to rate your candidates zero to five, a score of zero to five, just like you would a song on iTunes sure. or a product on sure. Amazon. You do that for all the candidates for a position, and then your ballot gets combined with everybody else's ballots. All those scores get added up, and then the top two scorers go to an automatic runoff. So STAR stands for score, then automatic runoff. Wow. Now, in the automatic runoff, they go back to your ballot, and they see which of the two candidates that made it to the runoff did you have a preference for. So which one did you rate higher? Right. That's who your vote gets cast I just, for. I mean, I like the concept. I just wonder if the average person is going to like how much homework you know it doesn't take any homework you I can do it I, just like you do now you can vote for one person and call your ballot good right but if you want to express a preference you can so <clears throat> the the couple of things that get me excited about this is one no more spoiler candidates y- you can vote the same score on any number sure, of candidates like, you want like a jill stein and then so if you take our race the, the race that i was in there was five democrats and one republican right. in that race now, this is a top two go to November. So what happened was we had 11,000 votes right. on the Democrat side between all five candidates. The one Republican had 5,000 votes. Now, he made it into the runoff. Sure. But if we had star voting, maybe that doesn't happen because we actually had a lot of really good candidates. Do you know the dis- distribution of your district as far as Republican Democrat? Yeah, it's a, like a 1% Democrat lead as far as registration. Wow. But there's a whole bunch of independent. That's interesting. Non-affi- for, there's a whole bunch of non-affiliated voters. Sure. And, you, and you don't know which direction. That's really interesting. I mean, I always, I've said it on every episode of this, I think, uh, on of this podcast, that Oregon is a direct reflection of the nation. Because you have people, like, such an exact split divide, you know? I mean, obviously, with some of the bigger cities in the general statewide elections, you're going to see a Democratic swing, you know, but... If you just meet people and talk to people, you know, during the general though, with Trump, I did not see the support that here as wide. So I was kind of shocked nationally once it went that direction. But if you went out into the rural areas, yeah, you would have and I'm seen seeing it. that now. And it's like, I had blinders on, like, yeah. I'll be the first to admit it because I'm seeing it now. I mean, I mean, like I said, my father, my father told me he cried during the uh, inauguration. I'm like, are we watching the same thing? I love my dad to death, but <laughs> pretty crazy. Well, James. It's really a big honor to meet you. I hope that we can have you back when there's big stories, you know, coming up and, um, you know, maybe you can announce your run for Senate 
here first. (laughs) (laughs) You know, speaking of, do you think that that maybe this I don't know if this will get you in trouble, but do you think that uh, Merkley is going to be running for president? I have no idea. He's in Iowa. I heard that he's like he's he's, definitely considering it. I think it's Um, a vice presidential (laughs) candidate is what he's trying for Bernie. That would be great. I think. Well, actually, I, I think Bernie, I would like to see him have. A woman as his sure, vice president. Sure. Um, but Merkley being on the short list would not surprise me. No, no, not at all. I mean, and and it all it all will depend on how things play out. But I would love to see like Tulsi Gabbard or Nina Turner right. or T- Elizabeth Tulsi Warren. Gabbard, yeah. Um, I mean, I I wish that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren would just make a deal that it's like we'll run together regardless of who's the top of the ticket because that would be powerful and there's no beating that and i'm sorry but if the pocahontas thing is unacceptable talk about unacceptable i mean that is straight racism like there's no two ways about it it's not it's not oh it could be construed as it's racist like a hundred percent and so i we could be here all day on that yeah well it's schoolyard bullying it's crazy and taunting that's really what it is i don't think that's gonna i mean time will tell you can never count anything out with trump but it seems like things are kind of getting murky right now. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, since we've been talking, there's probably three or four more of his associates that have been arrested, but we don't, we don't, we don't know. So James, it's, it's really nice to meet you. Uh, and I'm, I'm really grateful that you came and joined us on the podcast. I'm going to end this episode with a song about personal accountability and voting called our enemy is us. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks. Glad to be back anytime. If there's anyone out there who thinks we're confused about who our enemies are? Our enemy is us, the society is busted. Gone are the days when a friend can be trusted. Allies are few, far and in between. We're in our face, not behind the scenes. Media is bidding our souls dry. Feeding us read as the polls lie. Don't think I'm prepared for this. I've constantly been scared of this. Divisiveness, the righteousness of prideful bliss. I write to this, I cry to this. Try to forgive. Consumer good people.